the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor, and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, coming at you on 860-AM. WGUL, we are the answer. And what's our website, 860 WGUL, the answer? AM860theanswer.com. I got to write that down somewhere. So you can reach me on the internet anywhere in the world, 9 to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. And you can also go to the website and pick up the old shows. And you can Google the website with that. Google uh, that web address and click listen live and you got me. My show is interactive and informative. This is talk radio, so feel free to join me. And if I make a mistake, don't hesitate to call me and correct me. Last week, my next door neighbors, Ken and Barbie, Barbie, they texted me that I had misrepresented Donald Trump's education that he had only had a or had only received a bachelor's degree at Wharton and not a master's degree. So I stand corrected on that. Uh, nevertheless, do feel free to interrupt. I don't mind. I like having people to talk to. I like talking too, as you might have guessed. I do my show on one theme. I stick to it fairly closely. And if there's a tangent that we get off on or a little string, that's okay. But in general, I like to kind of go into depth into what I've researched for the week and my thoughts on it. I was going to talk about the balance of trade because I think that's more important than anything else that's happening in the current events issues at this point in in time. And I think that that should be a big part of the debate tomorrow night between the two presidential candidates. I doubt it'll it'll be much of, of, of a of a talking point. They're going to get into the police and the shootings and Black Lives Matter and all that, and it'll get emotional, I'm sure. Well, maybe not. I, I can't say I'm sure. I hope it doesn't get emotional, but I suspect it will. Well, so then I thought, well, I better delve back into the cop killings and the Black Lives Matter and all that. And we talked about this with Ferguson last year, and it'll be a little bit of a rehash, but I think that there are some aspects of it that we need to bring forth so that people don't have the wrong idea about how many people are being killed by police and how many police are being killed by felons and so on and so forth. Uh, By the way, I did find a a statistic that about 20% of American households own guns, 
And interestingly, the homicide rate has decreased as gun ownership has increased. And in every jurisdiction where gun ownership has increased, homicides have decreased. Now, you may say, well, that may just be part of the trend of the aging baby boomers and there's less crime overall, and, and I, I won't argue that. And as I've said before, when we talked about gun safety, I don't think that more than 20% of the population should own a gun because I think that 80% of the population would not have the skill, uh, the ability, the uh, emotional stability, whatever you want to call it, uh, all the aspects that it takes to own a gun and be able to use it effectively in an emergency and, and, and keep it safe so that kids don't shoot themselves and uh, keep it uh, in good condition and not have a gun that's going to jam up on you, not be uh, mugged and have your gun taken from you and be shot by your own gun. That's, that's even worse. So I don't think that we all need guns, but I do think that by having gun ownership, we have decreased crime by having legitimate gun ownership. And you may say, well, what about this guy over in Orlando that shot 50 people in the nightclub with an, an assault rifle? And, of course, we've talked about assault rifles, which are not really assault rifles. They're not automatic weapons. They're the same thing as a hunting rifle, only they have a different stock, different handle. You can put a clip in them, but they're semi-automatic. You have to pull the trigger each time to have a shell fire. You can't pull the trigger and have three, six, nine rounds come flying out of the gun. It, uh, you, can't, you can't get those without a special permit, and that's more involved and it costs a lot more money. So at any rate, I don't think that most of us need to own guns, but I do think that gun ownership has decreased crime. Now, what about the police? What are their, uh, what are their problems? Are they being killed disproportionately to the people that they're killing in the acts of committing felonies? I think that if you look at the statistics, there's uh, about 500 cop killings over the past 10 years by felons. So these are law enforcement officers feloniously killed in the act of duty. And that's about 50 a year. Actually, it's been trending down for the past 40 to 50 years. But it's, it goes up a little bit. In 2011, we had 72, and then in 2013, 27. So overall, it's averaging around 50, 505 total over 10 years. So that's about 50. And roughing out to about a million cops in the United States, the chance of being killed on duty by a felon, not, not in a car accident, not, not trying to save somebody's life in a burning house, but by confronting a felony uh, perpetrator who has a gun or a knife or some other weapon, you have about a point zero 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 five percent chance of being killed as a cop on duty. And remember, we talked about the hazards and the most hazardous professions, the highest mortality rates, and, and the police barely make it into the top 10, the top ones being uh, the commercial loggers, commercial fishermen, uh, commercial airplane, airplane pilots. And you think, well, airplane pilots, there's not that many airplane pilot deaths. No, no, there aren't, but there aren't that many commercial airplane pilots. So one death is uh, tremendously significant. You're talking about a very small fraternity, sorority of people in that profession. So the, the police 
actually are not in a super, super dangerous profession. They're in a dangerous profession. And certainly high-speed pursuits are another way that cops can be killed, automobile accidents, being hit accidentally on the highway after stopping somebody. But in terms of felony assaults and felony murders of police, it's pretty small. Well, what's the chance of being killed by a cop? Well, of course, you have to look at not only the odds, but also the hazard ratios. And for most of us, the hazard ratio is is infinitesimally small because most of us are not going to be in a position where we're going to have a cop confronting us and we're going to try to kill the cop because we have something to hide or, or because we're crazy. I mean, most of us, when we're stopped by the police, we say yes, officer, no officer. We give them our driver's license and we get our ticket and we go on. And so it's very rare, very, very rare that anybody is, is killed by a cop. The, the percentage, the chances are like point zero 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 one two three percent I mean, that, that's infinitesimally small. Justified homicides per year are around 400 by the police. So that's a, that's a pretty dinky little number. That's a pretty small number. Is it disproportionately higher in the black population? Of course. Of course it's going to be. And you say, well, why is it so? Why? Well, actually, there's a lot more white people killed than black people by cops in the commission of a crime. However, the proportion, even though the black population is 13% of the population, over 25% of the uh, justified homicides by police in the line of duty are of black mostly young black males. Why is that? Well, there's a great article uh, in the uh, Daily Wire, and I think it's by, what's this woman's name? She's apparently an investigative reporter and is uh, very well known. Aaron Bandler is the name. Now, this is an interesting article if you have a chance to go browse through. I'll give you the skinny. Cops killed nearly twice as many whites as blacks in 2015. However, the percentages of blacks per black population is much higher. Blacks were charged with 62% of robberies, 57% of murders, and 45% of assaults in the 75 biggest counties in the country. So if you look at the percentage of crimes being committed by black Americans and the number of black Americans who are killed in a criminal situation where the police is protecting himself or herself, then you have a much smaller percentage of the black population being killed by police with a felony attached to it than whites. However, the absolute numbers are higher because the absolute percentage of crimes are higher. There's more blacks committing crimes than there are whites. And you say, well, why is that? Well, I'm, I don't want to get into the sociology today. I just want to talk about the Black Lives Matters, their take on, and a lot of the black communities take on, or so we're led to believe, 
take on police unjustly signaling, uh, identifying or picking them out and shooting them as over the number of white people that are stopped and shot. Now, let's, let's be honest. There's a lot more black people committing crimes. There's a lot more black people that are being stopped for traffic violations. And if you get stopped for a traffic violation and you don't have anything to hide, you're not going to, I mean, you're going to be defensive. You're going to be mad because you got a ticket. And of course, none of us ever deserve a ticket, but you're not thinking about getting out and shooting the cop or trying to outrun them or take off in your car. That just is not going to happen. I mean, maybe with teenagers, young adults, it's more likely to happen because they may be more likely to be up to something, drinking, drugging, whatever. And, of course, in different communities, there's different levels of crime and uh, different levels of acting out severity that go along with the the culture. And, of course, we can't deny that. And that's where some of the sociology will come into it. But more whites and Hispanics die from police homicides than blacks. And proportionately, felons, white felons and Hispanic felons, are more likely to be shot and killed in commission of a crime by a policeman than black felons. So some of these statistics have been skewed to make us think that there's a disproportionate number and there's profiling and all of that. And I'm not saying that there's not profiling. Uh, you know, I would not even want to say that because I think profiling is important. I think it's important when we're screening for terrorists. I think it's important when we're screening for criminals. I think it's important for a cop who's doing his job to be able to and have the training to quickly profile people and assess the risk and the danger. I mean, that's just simple, uh, you know, common sense. It's like being a doctor. You have to be trained to recognize the diseases. Otherwise, you're, you're not, you're not going to do your job. Well, part of being a cop is being able to say, you know, this guy looks like he's a little bit more likely to do something bad than that guy over there. And it's also true with gender. I mean, let's face it. Men are profiled more than women. Why? Because we commit the crimes, most of them. And so if we're going to say there's profiling, then we're going to have to say there's sexual profiling as well. And you may say, well, you know, I never thought of it that way. Well, yeah, I mean, think about it. Who commits most of the crimes? We do, the guys. And so, of course, a cop's going to have his radar up a little bit more when he stops a male over a female. Right there, you're profiling. And if you're in a high-crime neighborhood and that neighborhood is black, you're going to have your radar up even more. Statistically, you have to use your, your, your common sense. I mean, if common sense says that I'm more likely to be killed in South Chicago as a cop, or there's more likely to be a robbery or a murder or a drug-related crime in South Chicago, and I'm a cop working that beat, then, if you, I mean, if you don't have that common sense, you're in the wrong profession. Get out of police work, go into social work. And, and that's okay. I mean, it, it, we need the social workers just like we need the police. The Post, uh, Washington Post data showed that unarmed black men are more likely to die by the gun of a cop than an unarmed white man. But this doesn't tell the whole story. 
the ratio was seven to one of unarmed black men dying from police gunshots compared to unarmed white men. The ratio was six to one by the end of 2015. But as McDonald points out in this article, uh, the Marshall Project that looked at this uh, paints a different picture. The unarmed label is literally accurate, but it frequently fails to convey highly charged policing situations. In a number of cases, if the victim ended up being unarmed, it was certainly not for lack of trying. So like we saw, the I think it was the Tulsa shooting, it looked like the guy went back to his car and was reaching in, and the police didn't know if he was reaching for a gun or what. He wasn't obeying uh, directions from the police. They had told him to stop, to lay down, and all of that, and he kept walking. White or black, I mean, if I were a cop and I saw a guy putting a, a hand back into a car after I'd given him orders to walk towards me backwards, and instead he walked away from me towards his car, well, you know, what am I going to do? I don't want to get shot. And my training has taught me that I have to defend myself. And you say, well, is the cop's life worth more than the person who he thinks or she thinks is going to shoot her or him? Well, you tell me this, how much money and time do we spend training, educating, arming, keeping people up to date in the, in the, in the, uh, law enforcement profession. What's it cost for a, a vest, for body armor? What about a gun? How about the vehicles they drive? I mean, there's a lot of investment in this. There's a lot of investment in our police. And so whether you agree or disagree with some of their actions, and certainly we need to be diligent because there are cops that are bad and rogue, and we, we have to be able to weed them out just like we do doctors. It's a very, very high responsibility profession with a lot of chances or abilities to do harm to people in the community, just like a doctor. And so we have to be vigilant. We have to have review committees, and we have to make sure that we, we have police that are obeying the laws and following the rules and regulations of, of the uh, governments and the jurisdictions. There's no doubt about that, and I'm all for that. But we also have to use common sense and say, wait a minute, you're going to risk letting a policeman get shot because you want him to be absolutely sure or you want her to be absolutely sure that what the guy is going for in his car is a gun and not a pack of cigarettes. I, I, I mean, I don't think that there's any, uh, any debate there. I mean, first of all, we have a, a, an innate right to protect our lives. Secondly, the police have been, by law, given the right to do what they're doing, to stop people who they think are committing a crime or speeding or whatever, to interrogate to a certain extent, does that mean that they have the right to be rude or to be uh, uh, aggressive in a situation that doesn't demand it? No, and that needs to come under uh, review. That needs to be brought before the authorities and before our jurisdictional review committees and uh, the public safety officers and the chief of police and the mayors and the county uh, representatives, and it, it needs to be addressed. I mean, if we've got a bad cop, we need to get them out. If we have a police force that is, uh, by culture, abusing its rights, or rather our rights, in the name of what it considers to be 
good policing, then we need to change those uh, structures and those cultures and those rules and regulations. So if we look at the situations, and, and we have to, I mean, we can't just make blanket statements because then we won't make any progress. We have to be scientific about this. We have to look at the videos. We have to see if the guy's going for a gun. We have to see if he's obeying or she's obeying or disobeying, if they're acting bizarrely. I mean, if they're on a drug like PCP, you got your hands full. You really do. And we see them in the ER, and they are wild. Uh, you know, they'll tear restraints right off, uh, superhuman strength with some of these drugs. And so we have to assume that if somebody is not obeying our orders and is acting in an aggressive way, that it's not a good situation. Uh, one of the guys that worked in the ER years ago at St. Pete, Jen, uh, he was an ex county cop and he became a doctor and I asked him about his experience and he said he had had to kill two people and one was a guy chasing him around the car with a butcher knife who wouldn't put it down you say well why didn't he pull out his mace I don't know and then another was uh, a drug dealer he was chasing and the dealer was going into the house and he as he ran up he saw the guy pulling open a drawer and he shot him went inside guess what he had a gun so we have to give the police a little bit of leeway uh, to, to assume that they're acting not only in their best interest, but in the best interest of the community. And we have to look at each situation. I mean, you, you cannot say, well, we've had five blacks murdered by police this year or killed by police this year. And that's terrible. That's way more than, than it should be or has ever been. Well, I mean, the percentage of people that it is is so infinitesimally small that it's it's hardly even uh, even worth the the airtime for it. However, the resolution of of racial relationships in the United States and an in depth look at what is and what is not reality is necessary. I mean, if we don't do this, then we're not going to really be able to meet these problems head on. I think this is one of the areas in where, where the president. I mean, I don't agree with his economic and, and foreign policies and healthcare policies, but I think the biggest mistake he made was not seizing this opportunity as the first black president to mend a lot of these wounds and to pull a lot of this, uh, of this uh, nonsense out of the public's eye and put it into a proper perspective and say, wait a minute, let's take a look at this. Instead of saying, well, I was profiled when I was running to a movie in, in uh, Georgetown near Washington, D.C. when I was in college. Yeah, come on, I was profiled. I was stopped in the middle of the night because I, I was a raggedy-looking hippie when I was 20 years old. I mean, you know, he's not the only person that, that has had this experience. One of the doctors in the lunchroom, Hindu doctor, he was stopped out in Largo here in, in the Tampa Bay area, and the cop pulled a gun on him. And it, the cop had the gun. Uh, I don't know why he pulled the gun. And my friend Nick said, you know, my hands are on the dashboard. I'm a doctor. I'm, I'm going to the hospital. And the cop was shaking and had his gun pulled and uh, was acting a little bit uh, overly emotional. And Nick stayed calm. And the guy finally calmed down and gave him a ticket. But, you know, you don't have to be black. You don't have to be a man 
to have a cop pull a gun on you. Although it's more likely to happen, or if you're young, if you're aggressive, if you're disobeying their orders, if you're making sudden moves. I mean, I was ticketed years ago, and when he came with the ticket, I went to grab my stethoscope to show him I was a doctor, and he backed up and had his hand on his pistol. So don't make sudden moves, and do be respectful. So the whole story is not in the raw data, ever. The raw data is raw data. It has to be churned through the scientific process. The whole thing has to be looked at and examined. And, you know, talking about the, 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 uh, the riots that were going on last week, it, it was funny that one of the black guys in the kitchen and our buds, and we, you know, we joke around and talk, and he said, you know, Handelman, you know that those people who are rioting, they don't give a damn about the, about the black kid or black man that was killed. They're there to loot. They're there to, to cause mayhem and havoc. Of course. Of course. You know, it's misplaced anger. It's uh, greed. It's uh, criminal. And to say that it somehow represents the black community is, is, and the sentiments of the black community is nonsense. It's just baloney. Most black Americans don't believe any more than white Americans in the justice of rioting. I mean, there's, there's no justice in rioting for uh, uh, somebody who was killed by a policeman that was probably a justifiable homicide, but it's being looked at. By the way, I think the officer, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Bill, in Tulsa, I think that she was charged with manslaughter by the district attorney. I don't, yeah, that's correct. So, and it's not as if the jurisdictions are not looking at these. I mean, they're charging these police with crimes, and a lot of them are going to trial. And 99% of the time, uh, the juries, you, me, black Americans, white Americans, Hispanic Americans, as jurors, we say they did the right thing, and they're vindicated, and they're acquitted. So we need to not necessarily be cheerleaders for the police, but certainly we need to have respect and recognize what they do and recognize that there are situations which require them to use force, and it's justifiable, and they have the right to do that. Another myth that was brought out, black and Hispanic police officers are more likely to fire a gun at blacks than white officers. This is according to the Department of Justice report in 2015 about the Philadelphia Police Department. And it's further confirmed that by a study conducted by the University of Pennsylvania criminologist Greg Ridgway in 2015 that determined black cops were three times more likely to fire a gun than other cops at a crime scene. Blacks are more likely to kill cops than be killed by cops. This is according to FBI data, which also found that 40% of cop killers are black. And if you consider that more than 40% of the crimes are committed by, by black Americans, then it's, it, you know, it still is not that, that big of a deal. But it's 
way out of proportion to what the white and Hispanic populations uh, do in the United States, the criminal populations. And we all know that the, black, uh, that the prisons are predominantly uh, populated with, with blacks, black males. According to McDonald, the police officer is 18.5 times more likely to be killed by a black than a cop killing an unarmed black person. So the anti-police rhetoric goes on in Black Lives Matter, and I don't have a problem with people protesting. I think it's a great thing. I mean, I did it when I was a kid, and I'm not going to tell Black Lives Matter members that uh, they don't have that right. Sure they do. They have the right, and I think that we need that kind of introspection in an open society like ours. To the world, it looks bizarre. You know, that most of the world can't figure out what the heck goes on here. But it is interesting to see that it still works better than anywhere else. So the, again, the recap of the feloniously killed law enforcement officers over the past 10 years is about 505. And of course, the big states generally have more like Texas in California and Florida, and the smaller states less. Some regions have more, some have less, depending on the populations in the areas. And certainly the murder rate and the uh, police being killed rate are going to be much higher in high-crime neighborhoods, districts. So it's something that we're going to have to accept, and it's been with us since all times, since whenever we've had police. The justifiable homicides committed by police, that is, a policeman killing a felon, a perpetrator, or a suspected felon, 2010, 397, 2011, 404, 2012, 426, 2013, 471, 2014, 444, but overall it's been trending down since the 1960s, proportionately. Now, since I was born, the country's doubled in size, so you have to take that into account too. And this was primarily by firearms, handguns, occasionally a rifle or a shotgun. So there's around 400 people a year in the United States killed by a policeman. Again, it's a tremendously small proportion of the population, tremendously small. And it's wondered if it's even worth mentioning, but it is. It's something that's in the public eye, something that we need to talk about and think about and reckon and try to figure out if there is validity to the argument that black Americans are being singled out disproportionately being profiled by the police. Let's grab a cup of Joe. I'll be right back. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD.
With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. A Turkish immigrant is under arrest today, suspected of carrying out Friday night's deadly mall shooting in Burlington, Washington. Arkan Chaitin is expected to appear in Saget County District Court tomorrow. Officials in Iraq say a suicide bomber killed at least seven people today, setting up tents ahead of a major Shiite religious observance next month. The bomber struck as residents of Baghdad's western Eskan neighborhood were preparing for Ashura. A prominent Jordanian writer has been shot to death in front of the courthouse where he was on trial for sharing a cartoon considered offensive to Islam. There are no immediate details on the identity or motive of the gunman. And Prince William and his wife Kate are in Canada with their two young children for their first official overseas trip as a family of four. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau welcomed them. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of Can Care, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill for West Coast Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive x-ray diagnostics, including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET mammography, and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and competitive self-pay rates, plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at 727-771-277. That's 727-771-2795. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some urgent news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from PBS host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we're about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-378-8005 now to get your personalized copy rushed to you today. Do you want to avoid mistakes baby boomers and seniors can make when they buy annuities? Those mistakes now could be costly later to you and your family. Call 800-378-8005. That's 800-378-8005. Employees of J.D. Melberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. You're writing a Christian book and you want it published. You also know old-fashioned publishers reject thousands of manuscripts each year. Want your book in print and on Amazon? Make it happen. Take control and publish yourself with 21st Century Christian Publishing at Zulon Press. Learn more with your free guide to Christian Publishing. Visit ChristianPublishing.com. ChristianPublishing.com. Publishing is fast, easy, and affordable with Zulon Press. A division of Salem Communications, the same great people who bring you this nifty radio station. Partly sunny today with a thunderstorm on the prowl this afternoon, a high of 91. A shower thunderstorm in spots this evening as well. Otherwise, mainly clear skies and humid for tonight, though 77. Humid tomorrow with sunshine mixing with some clouds. A thunderstorm in the area in the afternoon and a high of 90. Intervals of clouds and sunshine will mix throughout the day on Tuesday with a shower thunderstorm around humid high 91. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Ashley Benoit for AM860, The Answer. 
Song about a woman that the lead singer knew in Atlanta in the 1980s, 90s, who was a quote quote goth and was addicted to heroin. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of alcohol and, and drug abuse involved with crime. Over, it's unbelievable that the numbers overwhelmingly the uh, major crimes involve uh, some form of alcohol or drugs. It's very uncommon for a crazy person to to kill a cop or be, and we're talking about cop killings and the riots and where was it? Uh, Charlotte. I think it was in Charlotte. Wasn't it, Bill? Yeah, Charlotte. And, uh, and then the incident in Tulsa where the female police officer has been charged with, with a manslaughter because of her actions in shooting, a uh, a black man who was disobeying orders and walking back to the car, trying to grab something out of the car. And he was shot and there were like three or four, five police right there. So I don't know uh, how anybody can deny that what she did was most likely justified since there were several cops with their guns pulled and all saying the same thing, telling him to stop. So I think that it's worth looking at what law enforcement does and what their risks are. And again, the risk of being killed in the line of duty as a cop is, is very small. And certainly being a policeman is not in the top 10 most dangerous professions, as I've said before. By the way, if you want to chime in on this, I'm at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. We are AM860 WGUL, the answer. And uh, you're more than welcome to Give me your take on the situation, but here's some facts that I pulled out of the uh, the Law Enforcement Association's files. There are more than 900,000 sworn law officers in the United States. About 12% are female. According to the FBI Uniform Crime Report, an estimated 1,165,000 violent crimes occurred nationwide in 2014, and that was a decrease from 2013 by a smidge. Crime fighting has taken its toll since the first recorded police death in 1791. There have been over 20,000 law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty. Now, that's over 200 years, so that's a a long time, 200-plus now. And there's 20,000-plus names engraved on the walls of the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial. A total of 1,439 Officers died in the line of duty during the past 10 years. And the most deadly uh, decade was the 1920s. 2,437 were killed. We've got someone on the line here. Todd in Tampa wants to weigh in. Todd, come on. Welcome to the show. Todd? Did we lose him, Bill? He's calling back. All right, we'll, we'll wait for Todd to call back here. The deadliest day in law enforcement history was 9-11. 
72 officers, officers were killed while responding to the terrorist attacks on America. So that was the deadliest day, and, and that was not black, white, Hispanic Americans. That, were, that was Islam, Islamist uh, terrorists. And he's back. Oh, we got Todd back. Todd, what's up, bud? How you doing? Good, uh, good. I just, um, you know, I'm glad you're talking about this this morning. And and you know, again, you've got you've got a situation where, you know, George Soros is funding this 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 Black Lives Matter movement, and a lot of these places, sixty seventy percent of these rioters aren't even from Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, so so you've got an issue there. You, you know, our police. Are putting their lives on the line. Okay, I've been stopped before. I've had guns, you know, drawn on me. And I just, you know, went to the ground, did what they said, and 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 everything worked out fine. You know, so yep. uh, you know, if you're going to point a gun, like the like the sheriff of 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 uh, you know Lakeland over there, Polk County, I believe, he said, if you're going to point a gun at a cop, you, you, you expect to get shot at many times. Okay? Yeah. Or- or even look like you're going for a gun, you know, the, the, because they're trained. And, and my friend Steve, who's a doctor and was a cop, he said that when he went to the pistol range, that the instructor over and over, I mean, it, it, they, they did it hundreds and hundreds of times, so it became automatic. And, you know, something most people don't know, Todd, is that they're told that once they have their gun out of their holster, they should start firing. And you could see that in the in the kid that was killed in Ferguson. You could see how his gun came out and made an arc as he came up and the bullets hit arm and then into the chest. So it was, it was, it was a textbook situation that he, whether it was justified or not, I'm not going to debate that, but as far as following his instructions and his training, that's what he did. No, you're exactly right, Doc. And you know, look look what's happening here. And the, you know, Hillary Clinton, is she didn't even she didn't ask for the fraternal order of police's uh, you know endorsement. She is anti-police, okay. And 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 you know Donald Trump is a law and order candidate. You know we, we, you know and and you know we're we're, we're you know, we need to look at look at what happened. In, you know we had another Muslim we had Muslims blowing up in New York. Okay, she won't even say radical Islamic terrorism. We had another Muslim shooting the other day. We had you can't go to the mall in Minnesota because you had a Muslim wielding a gun, and 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 the media is complicit. You know they make excuses for these Muslims. Okay, you know it well, it, 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 it it's 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 just a disgrace. And I'm glad the veil has been lifted off of African Americans who have no jobs. Their their sons and daughters have no jobs over eight years. And Hillary Clinton, if she's gonna she's gonna put Putting the coal miners out of business, the frackers out of business. She's going to get around to putting your business, your business. I'm Spanish, I'm Italian, and Sicilian, and Puerto Rican. And Hillary Clinton is a disaster for the economy. She's never created one job. She doesn't know how to create a job. She's been in politics for 30 years, well, and now she's going to come and ask for my vote. I don't think so. And I'm well, glad I the got American you with people that, are waking up. God bless I, you, Doctor. Let's get to work and save the country. Bye bye. Well, I, I I think Todd has some good points. Now, the one thing I disagree with is that uh, Hillary Clinton cares about one aspect of society and not another. I don't think she cares about any of us, to tell you the truth. I think the Clintons are uh, people who are enamored with power, and they found a path that worked for them. It fit in with their adolescent and young adulthood uh, liberal training, and they've hung on to it. 
and I don't I don't think they could care a, a squat about black, white, you, me, Hispanic, or anybody. I think what they care about is is having power, holding power, and obviously making big money doing it. So money and power, I mean, those are those are very addictive substances. I could use a little bit more of number one, money, uh, but uh, power. I'm I'm really not that interested in holding sway over the over the entire world, unless of course I'm elected uh, unanimously by the American people. And if anybody wants to put me on the ballot, that's fine with me. So we're talking again today about the police and some of the risk that they run, and the actual percentage of policemen who are killed, and the actual percentage of Black Americans who are killed by the police in a felony situation, and trying to tease out some of the facts and some of the fiction here and put it into perspective. I think it's easy for us to point fingers at the black community and say, you're not doing enough, it's your fault, and for the black community, at least parts of it, to point fingers and say, you know what, you're the problem because you brought us over here as slaves and now our descendants here, the great-great-great-grandchildren, are struggling with all of the problems that come from a slave population being freed, and, uh, and there's some truth to that. It does take time. I mean, you, you can't expect uh, a, a, a segment of society that was so uh, brutalized and, and misused to not have ill feelings. Now, at some point, of course, we have to step beyond that, and I think that most black Americans are beyond that. Uh, but I do think that most black Americans have hung with the Democrats, because the Republicans have sounded like they're white elitist, whether they meant to be or not. And I think Mitt Romney is a prime example of that. And uh, I'm sorry he lost, but uh, he was not my first pick for our, our Republican candidate. So we have to put this all into some perspective. You know, I'm talking with the guys back in the kitchen, and, and, there's, and they're like... Uh, like Todd was saying, that the rioters are mostly from out of state, and I saw that in a news report uh, today or yesterday, that most of the rioters in Charlotte came from out of state. And you may not know this, but there are people who are professional agitators. They get paid, they get an airplane ticket, they get room and board and lodging to go to a city or into a situation and stir it up. And uh, they make make a living like that you know it's a little bit of a supplement it's a nice vacation so if there's something if you're living in new york city and there's a riot happening in san jose or san francisco uh, and your gang knows who you are and that you'd like to go to these things i get you an airplane ticket put you up at the at the motel six give you a little food allowance and you go down and carry a picket sign and uh, you, you you march and you chant and do all that and you know it's not my cup of tea, but there are people that, I guess, think that they're doing something, and at the same time, they're getting a little vacation. And then, of course, there's always the the looters. I mean, if you need a big screen TV and LED and you can't afford one and there's a riot uh, a couple of counties away, well, that might be your opportunity to go get one. And I'll have to have a show on how to loot and do it successfully, but... Uh, Let's face it, a lot of the people who are protesting, who are in these marches and crowds and Black Lives Matter and all that, it's, it's all put on. It's all put on. A lot of the people that come to 
the cities and riot. They're not there because they're protesting anything. They're there because they want to riot. They want to loot. They want to steal. They want to burn cars. And it's not just a black community. I mean, you see it with college kids, white college kids. Uh, We see this from time to time where they get mad about losing a game or winning a game or whatever. And uh, they go out and get drunk and start rocking cars over, and then somebody burns one, and then all of a sudden you've got a, a mob that's going down the street breaking windows. So it's not just in the black community. Let's not let's not try and paint this picture uh, all one color because it's not. But certainly the police are putting themselves out there. And as I said before, the deadliest day was September 11th, 2001. 72 officers were killed. We were up there three weeks afterwards, and, oh, my gosh, we walked around and walked around until we found a street where we could look right down into the, uh, into the mess. And, uh, I mean, I cried because I had been inside the World Trade Center towers two or three times. Uh, I was there shortly after it was built and went to the top. And it, it was a lot of pride for me. Even in my hippie days when I was protesting the system, I still thought, well, you know what? We must be a great country. Look at what we, what we have here in our biggest city. This is pretty cool. And I just I broke out in tears. And so we went to uh, a Friday's that was uh, on Broadway, and it was across the street from Trinity Church. And you could actually see down the alley and see some more of the debris and all the bulldozers and cranes and the trucks in and out. I mean, they were, there were trucks, dozens of them lined up hauling this stuff away. And there was a female, young female officer, and she was sitting there, and she was obviously shaken up, and, and talked to her a little bit, and, you know, asked her how she was doing, and she said she was scared. You know, she was scared. I said, what's going on? She said, well, you know, the the building was built with asbestos, and, and there's still a lot of dust being kicked up, and we don't know the toxicity of it, and I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I said, have you talked to your superiors? They said, well, we don't have a choice. We have to do it do what they say, and we have to stand guard over this. That didn't last too long, of course, but you think about this, and you think about some young woman who is a policeman in New York City, and she sees herself as putting her life on the line to guard a debris pile from 9-11. And I think that says something about the, the, uh, the commitment that you have to make to be a policeman. And that doesn't mean that all policemen are good guys and that they don't do anything wrong. Come on, we know better than that. We know better than that. A patient of mine who was a, a county sheriff, he uh, had had enough of a mouthy kid in the back seat who was drunk and handcuffed, and he shot him in the stomach. Of course, he lost his job, and I'm sure that there'll be all kinds of lawsuits and and criminal uh, charges filed, but I don't know the whole story. I haven't seen him since that episode, so I, I can't give you a whole lot of insight into that. But if that's true, then then he needs to be out of police work. That's you know that's that's not what we want in our police. And the person who was shot certainly has a legitimate uh, uh, torts action and a legitimate claim for damages and uh, should be awarded them, and probably will be. But they'll probably be settled out of court. I don't know. It's been kind of quiet about that. So there's a lot of pros and cons to the debate, but certainly what we see and what we think about and what we 
see in the press, in the news, may not necessarily be most accurate, at least on first blush. Oh, by the way, I was talking about gun ownership and how crimes, homicides have gone down in jurisdictions where there's an increase in legitimate gun ownerships. I I did want to tell you that because I feel that only about 20% of the population is physically and emotionally uh, capable of handling, having a gun in the house, handling it, keeping it safe, and so on and so forth. But if you're concerned about your safety, there are now guns that shoot a spray, a jet of pepper gas. They're compressed air guns, and they will shoot it out. And you can get a cheap one for 50 bucks on Amazon that will shoot about a six-foot jet. Or you can pay up to $500 and get one with a laser sight, and it will shoot a jet 20 to 25 feet in a wind, and you can fairly accurately hit somebody in the face with pepper spray. And I think that's a legitimate uh, way to protect yourself. Remember that close-in encounters are where you're going to have to use a pistol most often. At 20 to 25 feet, 99% of the people could not hit their target in a crisis. You know, you're adrenalated, your hand's shaking, and you think, well, so what? Well, you know, if you shake and you're off by two to three degrees, you're going to miss the guy. I mean, you're, you're going to miss what you're shooting at. You're going to miss your target. But I think the pepper spray is a, is a good thing for those who want protection but don't like the idea of having a pistol or some type of firearm. So you can get those. They're called pepper gas guns. And take a look at that if you're interested. Amazon.com has them. Uh, some of the gun manufacturers are now making these in addition to their regular um, powder and, and shot weapons. And let's remember that the gun ownership has been one of the most important things, in my opinion, to uh, decrease the amount of crime in the areas where people own guns. And I, I, I can't, I've said this before and I'll say it again, I think we need a domestic militia force that's trained, that's vetted, that has a, a, a camp every summer like the National Guard do, uh, that has to go on certain weekends for retraining, just like the police go to the police range and then target practice and all that, and that they're licensed to carry a semi-automatic pistol. I tell you what, if you had 20% of the population in the United States walking around with a, with a pistol, well-trained and ready to use it in a terrorist or criminal situation, you wouldn't have half the crime we have now. It'd, it'd go down tremendously. There, there'd be a tenth to a one-hundredth of the number of deaths by uh, terrorists in the United States if we had this ability, if we had this kind of a, a, a home militia. We need this. We need this because then the rest of us don't feel like we have to jump in with our bodies and try and uh, save the situation or be scared hiding at a nightclub being shot at by some crazy guy with a, with a rifle. So I, I think that this is another aspect of the whole debate that we need to bring out and look at and see what we can do to encourage our, our politicians and our legislators to enact some type of legislation that would make this a viable force in the United States. 
Well, this is Dr. Bill. I'm on every Sunday, and I'm at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. If you want to come see me, I'm there, 727-384-6411. Love you guys. I'm out of here. Have a good weekend. Well, all right now. We hope you're enjoying your day, but it's auction time. A thousand is bid. Two thousand fifteen hundred. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.